in your presence. We want to linger here before you. You give us such access. We just want to be with you, God. We want to stay here. Because better is one day in your presence, one day in your courts, than thousands elsewhere. So God, we pray that this morning, that as our conquering hero, you would conquer this heart. That you would overtake us with your spirit because we want more. It's not enough, God. It's not enough. Just to say your name, just to pray to you, just to lift up our voices towards you, God. We want to be with you. We long for heaven. So God, we pray that you would set up your kingdom here in this place this morning. That your kingdom would be here first. your kingdom would be here in our hearts and minds that before we take it anywhere else outside these doors God that you would reign in this place we pray for each person here each family God that you that you would establish, that you would strengthen, that you would uphold, that you would sustain. God, we pray for those who are hurting today, those who do not know the love of a father, the love of you, God. Those who are separated, We think of all the families that are divided today, God. And we say that's not how it should be. But God, we pray that you, that you, God, would do what only you can do. For you fix what is broken. You heal. You heal what has been torn. Where the devil tries to rip and lie, God, you restore. So God, we pray. We pray as your sons, as your daughters, that you would bring your goodness. We thank you that you are far better than we deserve that you seek us out even when we don't seek you. 
God, you rescue us. Thank you, Lord. Please speak to us this morning through your word. We know that your word is living and active. And so, God, we pray that you would speak to each one of us today. That we might be changed. God, I pray that you would speak in this place, that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. Good morning and happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Today we are talking about being a number one dad. A number one dad. So let me first just say that parenting is hard. Can I get an amen with that? Yes. Yes, parenting is hard. Being a dad is hard, and being a mom is hard. And, and you know, parenting is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the faint of heart. You know, it was uh, April 2014 when I joined the ranks of fatherhood. Um, I still remember uh, Claire being born on that day, my, my oldest daughter Claire, and, and I remember feeling so unprepared. <laughs> unprepared. I mean, don't get me wrong, I thought I was prepared. I thought I was. I mean, don't we all think that, man, I know all about parenting before I get there. Man, I know what's up. We had taken the classes, we read the books, and suddenly it's go time, and things start moving very fast, faster than I thought they would go. I'm handed this, <clears throat> this tiny, uh, very breakable human um, and, uh, and told to uh, do my best, I guess. I don't know. They, I'm in charge. Somebody would put me in charge of this very small, much smaller than I thought, um, but, uh, you know, they don't give you a manual. There's no manual. You know, there, there's no handbook of frequently asked questions or, or like how to speak baby in 12 hours or less. Um, you know, I remember that drive home from the hospital. And those of you who are parents, maybe you remember that, you know, as you recall that. I think I drove slower than I have ever driven in my life. You know, I, I just remember like thinking like, man, like, um, I don't know, I got I to keep this baby alive, got to keep it alive, you know, I didn't even start with the plant first, you know, I hear that's important, you should start with the plant first or something, but I didn't, and um, have you ever tried to avoid every crack or bump in the pavement, like, that's what it was like, and so I stand here before you today, uh, four years later, and uh, I would like you to know that I am still very much alive, um, and you will also be pleased to know that Claire is also still alive. Um, that, is, that is true. But I don't have, I still don't have the answers that I'm looking for. And maybe, and maybe you're, you're the same way. Maybe you're like, you know what? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't speak authoritatively necessarily about that. Um, I'm not here today saying that I'm an expert 
But I do want to share some things with you that I know to be true. And um, so before we get to the meat of what we're really going to talk about today, before we get into that, I just want to say the children are a blessing. As Amy was saying down there uh, earlier with the uh, child dedication, the psalmist says in Psalm 127, uh, children are a heritage from the Lord, an offspring, uh, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. You know, with every blessing, with every blessing, with every gift from the Lord, there is a responsibility attached to it. See, these children have been uh, entrusted to us by God. And so that makes parenting not only hard, but a holy endeavor. Hear me say that, you know, because these, these are a gift from God, your sons, your daughters are gifts from God, they are not only, parenting is not only a hard thing, but a holy thing. And so uh, parents, parents, think about it like this, parents are the first relationship that a child has. Parents are the first relationship that a child will ever have. And so dads, I'm going to speak to you for a second here, dads, you have to know that that not only is your relationship to your son or daughter, not only is that foundational for all other friendships, not only is it foundational for all other friendships, but how your son or daughter relates to their father is going to be the foundation for how they relate to God. How your son or daughter relates to you is how they will relate to God. They will view God through the lens of, of their relationship with you. See, dads, it's not simply enough. I, I hear guys all the time and they say, I, I provide for my family. And that is awesome. But see, God has a much bigger responsibility for us. You know, it's, it's not enough to think, man, I go to job, I make money for my kids to have stuff. We can go places, we can do things. But, but yet God is saying to us, holding a job isn't enough. Holding a job isn't enough. Anybody, everybody can work. Simply holding a job and making money doesn't require God. Because that is a holy endeavor. Parenting is a holy endeavor. And so, so this holy endeavor would be that, that all that I would do, that all that you would do would point to God in how we live. Yes, you know, we, we would hope that you would serve others. Yes, we want you to point your coworkers to Christ. But more importantly, we are to lead our families spiritually. Now, some of you in the room today, you know, maybe you grew up without a father, Maybe, you know, your, your dad abandoned you or he was absent. Maybe you didn't even know who he was. Some of you had a mom who did the best she could being the sole parent. Some of you maybe were raised by grandparents or had the blessing of being raised by a stepdad or uh, an adoptive father. My point is this. Whether you had a great dad or a terrible dad, or a non-existent dad, we have a father in heaven who is the best daddy ever. The best daddy ever. 
We have a God who loves and provides and, and who meets our every need. Our Father, our Father God desires to be so close to us in, in such an intimate relationship with us that, that he goes to great lengths. He goes to the furthest lengths to be in relationship with you and me, to seek us out. And he is always there for us. Some of you might be like, my dad, he was never there for me. Our Father in heaven is always there. He always answers when you call. He is always ready to jump in. And so, men, we can be number one dads. We can be the best dad ever because our dad, our Father in heaven, was, gives us the, the picture of what a dad is to look like. See, dads are uniquely positioned to reflect the character of God to their children. Dads are uniquely positioned to reflect the character of God to their children. Why? Why? Well, because God established the family and he set it up that way. It was his idea. The family unit was his idea. God set up the family unit in such a way that there would be understood roles and responsibilities between husband and wife and child, not to distinguish levels of value or of rights, but in order that things might function with a godly effectiveness and in doing so reflect who he is. Hear me say that again. There are roles and responsibilities in the home, distinct roles for husbands and wives so that the family would function with godly effectiveness and reflect all that he is. It's for this reason that the Apostle Paul writes uh, on several occasions about how a man is to manage his household. And he even goes so far as to say this in Ephesians 5. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. So, so dads, so dads, if we are... If we are going to manage our household, if we are going to lead our households as Christ led the church, then we must reflect the character of Christ in that leadership. Now, obviously, we can spend the rest of our time today talking about, you know, we could actually spend years, frankly, talking about uh, the character of God, the nature of God, and reflecting on that. But today, we're going to look at three essential characteristics, three characteristics of God that dads must embrace and reflect to their children, okay? Three characteristics. So the first thing is this, okay, that dads would teach their children. Dads teach their children, a father is a teacher. A father is a teacher. Whether, whether we see ourselves as a teacher or not, that, 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 is, that is not the point here. You know, Whether you want to be a teacher or not, it does not matter. You are. You are a teacher because children are learners. Children are learners. And that makes us teachers. See, children learn things, and when they learn things, they don't filter out what is a official sanctioned uh, lessons to be learned. They don't filter that out. Um, they don't, they, don't uh, they, they, they pick it all up. Whatever it is, they learn it all, and there's no such thing as on duty or off duty. If a kid is awake, then the learning factory is open for business. And there is no such thing as do as I say, not as I do. If they see it, if they hear it, if they sense it, then it will be learned. 
It will be picked up on. And so you, moms and dads, we play a much bigger role in our child's life than any pastor, than any teacher, than any coach, than any friend. There is a reason why psychologists and wannabe psychologists have these terms called uh, daddy issues or mommy issues, right? How we teach and what we teach is important. So let me ask you, what will you teach? What will you teach? See, we think on Father's Day, we think about, you know, dads, what they taught us, how to fish. We go to how to tie a tie, how to ride a bike, how to mow the lawn, how to properly start a fire in a safe way, hopefully. How to keep your eye on the ball. Maybe how to drive a car. Those are all good things. All good things. But if you do nothing else, if you do nothing else, you need to teach a child about God. I know it's hard, but we must, we must pass on our faith in God to our children. In Deuteronomy 11, Moses, he's talking to the Israelites, right? He's talking to the Israelites, and he has, he's talking about all that God has done, right? God did this, God did this, God rescued from that, God helped you escape from Egypt. And then he's like, your children, they didn't see these things. Your children, they didn't see these things. Your eyes are the ones that saw them. And so Moses goes on to give them these commands that the Lord has for them. From here on out, and he says this, he says this, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth." Man, essentially Moses is saying, you know, these are important. These aren't just good rules. These aren't just best practices for living. These, you know, what God is telling me and, and I'm telling to you today are not just guidelines. They're not just helpful guidelines. They are vital. They are central to life. There is no life apart from God. And so do these things. Remember these things. Tell, teach them to your kids. Talk about them when you're sitting down and when you're standing. When you're in the home or when you're out and about. You know, when you're lying down and when you are standing up. Dads, dads, teach these things to your kids. I think all too often we as parents, we pass off our God-given responsibility to others. See, we've been called by God to live as sons and daughters of God. And that, that means being good stewards of every good gift he's given, good stewards of the gift of children. And many times we expect someone else to teach our kids about God. Many times we rely on someone else. Don't rely on someone else to make your child spiritual. There are 168 hours in every week, 90 minutes in Wonderland or in the alley or in youth group is not enough. It isn't going to cut it 90 minutes a week. 
So don't, don't let church be the only time that your child, your son or your daughter, hears the name of Jesus. I remember being in a small group one time, and I heard one of the saddest things I'd ever heard. A guy said, you know what? Um, church is the only time that my sons hear the name of Jesus other than when I use his name in anger around the home. If your children only learn about Jesus when you're yelling at your wife, it's not enough. It's not going to cut it. See, I know the world tells us a lot of things about what it means to be a man, what it means to follow God and how to do it. There's a lot of different messages out there, but, but our number one priority should be our spouse and our children. Our number one priority. And so I say this, I say this with all due respect and the utmost humility that if we succeed at work, but our kids don't know Christ, then we failed. If we succeed in our ministry, but our kids don't know God, then I have failed. Then we have failed. If, if you succeed at your job, if you succeed at your job, but you're home, you're losing. Then we failed. I think about this, if my yard is voted the best landscaped in town, but my family is neglected, then I've lost. See, teaching our children about God and his great love for us is the hardest and it's the most important thing that we will ever do. So we don't push it off. Men, don't push it off on your wife. We do it. Dads teach their children. See, God has shown us that because God teaches us. God teaches us, and so we also teach our children. Some of you may be asking, but what do I teach? You teach Jesus. Jesus. You show them Jesus by letting them see you. You show them the character of God by reflecting that in your own life. You read your Bible, and you let them see you doing it. You pray, and let them hear you praying. You show them that God can be trusted because you are trustworthy. You, you show them that uh, God is faithful because you keep your promises. Show them that you love their mother. I mean, I think we all would agree that how, how husbands treat their wives is many times how a son is going to treat women or how a daughter is going to expect to be treated. So love others well, our sons and daughters, they're, they're forming a worldview, right? They're forming a philosophy on life. They're processing in their minds, you know, this is who they are. This is what the world is like, and this is how I fit into the world. This is how the world works, essentially. So show them how a Christian behaves. Show them how a Christian acts. You know, all, after all, positive habits and behaviors can be picked up just as easily as negative ones. 
positive habits and behaviors can be picked up just as easily as bad behaviors and bad habits. Now, let me say this. You will not have all the answers. Notice I did not say that, that you, you may not have all the answers. You won't. You won't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. See, God gives children, children as both a blessing and a, uh, a testing to moms and dads. God wants you to rely on him. He wants you to call on him for help. And so God is at work. He's doing things in the lives of parents just as he's doing things in the lives of children. Okay? So as I mentioned, my oldest daughter, Claire, she is four. She's now four. Okay? And her mother and I, uh, Stephanie and I, have begun to uh, try to read the Bible with her, um, try to pray with her regularly. She has questions. See, that's fine, reading your Bible, praying. But then the child has questions. So many questions. Yeah, yeah, I know. So she was almost traumatized last year when she was here and she saw Matt Walkenhorst get baptized. All right, almost traumatized, right? Daddy, why did you shove him under the water? That was not nice. Not nice. And of course, from there it goes, I'm never getting baptized. Uh-uh, no, that's not me, you know. Um, most recently, she's been asking questions about heaven, okay? Now, uh, heaven, it's not exactly the easiest thing to uh, describe, okay? Um, so please understand, I grew up in the church. I have been following Christ for quite some time, right, uh, as long as I can remember. And I went to seminary, and I studied the intricacies of the Christian faith in depth, but in front of my four-year-old, it is like the Spanish Inquisition. Okay? It is. A master's degree is not enough. It is so hard. And I feel so ill-equipped. So she's asking these questions about heaven, and I guess I wasn't explaining it well enough. Okay? I didn't explain it quite right. And so she was like, I don't want to go to heaven. All right? Yeah, I know. It's great. Pastor's daughter doesn't want to go to heaven. Okay? Um, so she doesn't want to go to heaven, right? And, and so we kept talking about it, right? We kept talking about it. And, uh, you know, she said, you know, she's like, I just want to stay here with my family and friends. Okay? That, that makes sense. I want to stay here with my family and friends. Um, that would be just fine with her. Okay? So we kept talking about it. And, and she kind of warms up to the idea. She warms up to the idea. I feel like, man, this, this, things are going in the right direction here. She now wants to go to heaven. That's great. So the other day, she asks about my mom who passed away several years ago. And she says, Nana's in heaven? I say, yes. She says, are we going to heaven? I say, yes. She said, when? It's a trap. It's a trap. I said, oh, you, hopefully you, you know, you won't go to heaven for a very long time. I mean, so like not now. I mean, like we, we, we go to heaven like after we die. We have to die to go to heaven? It's not easy. Ephesians 6 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You know, I'm trying, God. I'm trying not to exasperate my daughter, okay? But, but anyways, dads teach their children. The next thing I want to see is this. Dads discipline their children. Dads discipline their children. Now, let's be honest, right? Disciplining your kids has got to be like the worst part of the job. It's the worst part of the job. It's not fun. We'd rather be laughing and playing and, and having fun, having a good time, you know. But it's what God does, and so it's what we do. 
God disciplines, and so we discipline. If you want to reflect the character of God, then you will discipline your kids. In Hebrews 12, we're told this, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I see several things in this. First, we are disciplined by God. Our perfect and all-loving Father, our, our perfect and all loving God disciplines us because it's the most loving and perfect thing He can do in those moments. If He is all loving and if He is all perfect, then surely disciplining us is the most loving and perfect thing He can do in those moments. Second is this if you aren't disciplined, If you aren't disciplined by God, then you're not legitimate and you're not a true son or daughter. Man, that is harsh. It's harsh. But see, studies have shown that kids don't actually want their parents to be their best friend. They want their parents to be their parent. Children respond better when they know the limitations that are put on them and they are able to thrive because they understand the expectations, and the boundaries. They thrive in that. So if we don't discipline our kids, we're essentially communicating to them what we are communicating to them through our actions is we don't love them enough to correct them or to set them on the right path that we don't actually care what they do because we don't actually care about them. They're not legitimate sons or daughters. See, children have this responsibility. Their responsibility is to obey the parents. So if you're a kid here today, know that your responsibility is to obey your mom or dad. But it's the parent's job to teach that obedience. See, we don't need to teach our children how to disobey. We have already taken care of that through the DNA. Okay? We have taken care of that through our genetic DNA from Adam and Eve and everyone else that follows. Our children, my children, your children, were born with an inclination to sin. As Amy said earlier, it's a heart problem, a disposition to disobey. And that proneness to wander away and go off and do their own thing, that proneness to uh, be selfish and not want to share, that uh, intrinsic ability that they have to fudge the truth or to uh, tell a fib, it does not come from God. That doesn't come from God. It comes from us. We gave it to them. And so as much as it hurts us to discipline them, it is necessary Take a look at verse 11 again, right? It's not pleasant at the time. It's painful. God knows it's painful. The writer of Hebrews tells us it's painful, but it's going to produce fruit in their lives. 
Our clear expectations and consistent discipline in the lives of children will have a profound impact on their life in this life and the next. And so if you're a child or a teenager here today, I I want you to know that you are accountable to your mom and dad. You're accountable to your mom and dad. And they are accountable to God. You are accountable to your mom and dad, and your mom and dad are accountable to God. So don't hate on them for punishing you. Don't, uh, don't resent them for attempting to help you by molding or shaping your behavior. They do it because they love you, and the opposite is also true. They love you, and so they do it. They love you, and so they do it. Proverbs uh, chapter 3 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. This brings us to the last trait I want us to see of the number one dad. Number one dads, right? Uh, that dads should delight in their children. Dads delight in their children. Take a look at Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. I want to remind us, Matthew chapter 3, it says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God the Father was so pleased with his son. He was so pleased with his son that he screams from heaven, this is my son who I love a lot. This is my son who who I love. With him I am well pleased. And God feels the same way about us as his sons and his daughters. Psalm 147, 11 says, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Psalm 149, 4, For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. One of my favorite verses, Zephaniah three seventeen says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. See, our God, our God doesn't just love us. He delights in us. He delights in us. I I hope you know that today. See, I think too many people think that God is this bitter, angry, just unapproachable guy who's just waiting to zap people with lightning or something. But that isn't true. It's not true. Satan, he may want you to think that, but it's a complete and utter lie. When God thinks of you, and friend, when he thinks of you, it's all the time. You are constantly on his mind. When he thinks of you, he smiles. He smiles because he delights in you. He's so proud. He takes great delight in you. He rejoices over you with singing. Like a mother or father with a newborn baby, God sings a love song over you and me. See, what does it look like? To delight in something. It looks like a father cheering on a toddler. You can do it. You can do it. Just one more step. You can do it. You can do it. I know you can. You got this. I'm so proud of you. Keep going. Keep going. God is cheering us on. 
with each little step. And when we fall down, he doesn't shame us. He doesn't shame us. He picks us up and he encourages us. He says, keep going. Keep going. You can do it. That's how God feels about us. That's how we ought to be with our children. Don't make them wonder. Don't make them guess how you feel about them. Show them that you delight in them every day. Show them. See, Claire has started this thing, as many kids do at this age. Claire started this thing where she'll come up to me and she'll say, Daddy, are you mad at me? I say, no, I'm not mad at you. I mean, sure, sometimes I might clarify and say, Daddy's frustrated that you're not listening today. Daddy's disappointed that you did that. But I want her to know that I delight in her. I delight in her. A few weeks ago, I was taking her to daycare in the morning. She brought up something that had happened at church a few days earlier. She was playing tag with a friend. She got really excited and, and tagged him a little too violently. We immediately sat her down and talked with her, explained to her. We talked it out, but now we're a few days removed from that, and we're on our way to, to her daycare, and we're driving, and she brings it up to me. And she says, Daddy, I'm sorry for hitting him. I said, I know, Claire. I forgive you. But you know what? God forgives you too. She said, okay. Then we get to sit on God's lap. I said, yeah. We get to sit on God's lap. Because God forgives us. Because he delights in us. We get to sit on God's lap. Romans 8 tells us, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. We don't need to live in fear because God loves us. He loves us and he adopted us. He calls us his sons and his daughters. In fact, that word Abba, that word Abba, it's the most intimate word that a child has for his or her father. And the best translation we have, the best translation we have for it in our language is daddy. Daddy. And that's how God wants us to feel about him. He wants us to know him as daddy. So happy Father's Day, Daddy. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are so good. That your love is extravagant and overwhelming. And God, you don't require, you don't require us to clean up. You don't require us to fix things before we come to you. 
you love us in the midst of our mess and you tell us your kindness leads us to you that we embrace that love God we know you have called us to what is hard this calling this kind of gospel living requires your strength a supernatural strength strength that can only come from you and it necessitates a complete dependence on you. And so, God, we pray over every man and woman and child in this place that they would know you, that they would be completely dependent upon you, that you would be their everything. God, help mothers and fathers to reflect your character in all that they do. For that is what you desire from us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for disciplining us. And thank you, God, for delighting in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right now.